Welcome to the Level Design Podcast with Scott Zern, professional engineer with over three decades of experience and founder of Level Design Partners, a for-benefit company striving to bring prosperity to the design professional. Check out what they're up to at leveldesignpartners.com. This podcast will be exploring the ins and outs of the design industry, bringing new thinking to outdated systems, and aiming to restore value and honor to the unique people who choose to be designers, engineers, and architects. We'll be discussing how you can thrive in this industry by creating more freedom, flexibility, and financial security as a design professional, regardless of your current situation. Good morning, Murray. Morning, Scott. Friday morning, cold morning, cold week. Very cold week. I think it was 22 below this week on the mountain, my mountain house. Oh, it was cold. That's, that is cold. It was nine below in Castle Rock on Saturday morning. Yeah. So I didn't run. I walked. And then... You went outside? Oh, yeah. In the mornings. <laughs> every morning for a for either a run or a walk or some, some, some form of exercise. I don't get it. I was, I was on the couch with a dog. <laughs> I don't get it. It's no. I, <laughs> All right. So you're, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the weather, but first LDPI. Yes. What are we doing? What's going on with us? LDPI nationwide. We're actually doing, we're growing. Here we go. We are growing and we're busy, which is a good thing. We're busy. And there's a, there's a need or a demand for our services, which is great. Yeah. The independent collaboration. We're talking to professionals all over, and it's super exciting. Everybody's ready for this new way of working in our architectural and engineering community. We're, we're ready to do this different different way of working. It's super exciting to, to talk to folks nationwide right now, and they're getting ready to come on board and coming on board as we, we're bringing them out here and... It's a lot of excitement. One thing is I've noticed in talking to people, and Justin in particular, is this model actually gets people thinking outside of their normal thinking range. It does. About engineering and what they do as engineers. Think, well, I can do this as an independent, as an individual, and this is my passion over here. It might be might be beams for all that we know. Right. Or it could be drainage right. or it could be some other transportation, some other form of engineering. Right. Where they see an avenue by which they can actually fulfill their need or personal want to, to fulfill their passion of, of engineering. That's a big deal. So here I, I don't know how your career, but you know, I think when I when we talk to people across the country, what typically happens is they take a job and the job is X. And then pretty soon they got 10 years of X experience and they actually say, oh, I actually don't really like this, but, you know, it's providing for me. But I'd like to do something else with my engineering knowledge, but they're stuck. And this model, you can do whatever you yeah. like. Yep. Gives you some flexibility. It's, it's, yeah. it's like anything. There's, there's risk associated with it. So it's the old risk-reward thing. If I go down this path, what are the risks? What are the rewards? And most engineers, especially those that have an entrepreneurial attitude towards the profession, are quite willing to take on risks that every day isn't comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you do that. and this, we're, we're celebrating, yeah. It gives you the opportunity. And our, our model our, and our team – the team now, everyone's getting a little bit more comfortable with that risk. And we when can, you say risk, what are you? Oh, j- just the fact that the, the perce- I love. It. So the the risk is what that you create your own destiny. That's that's a risk that you create your well, own I th- success. I think if you, if you've stuck in X a, for a period of time, you don't really realize <laughs> that there is another opportunity or another oh, avenue towards God. providing engineering. 
it's it's brainwashing. So, is there anything less risky than actually creating your own destiny and and working for yourself? That's the safest place to be. That's not the oh, riskiest. When you, when you place look at it that way, it is. <laughs> but, but when you're sitting there and you have a wife, a couple of kids, and a mortgage and a few car payments, you think, "Oh, do I really want to go I, there? I, I want to put my life in my hands yeah. of somebody else." That's less risky. That's crazy. I don't get it, but yeah. I mean, they, they want a system, a safe system is what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so LDPI, creating a safe system for independent thinking and engineers and celebrating uh, celebrating us, uh, the design community. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're having fun, and it's going. Yeah, great. It is. Lots of interesting clients and, and work we're doing with the whole team. We On our Tuesday meetings, we you see the, uh, I think you see, really see the excitement in people. Yeah, it was super challenges. Fun. Yeah, this this week was Isaiah Young architect gets his first multi million dollar house. He's just smiling so big right now. It's 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 fun to watch. Yeah, I was talking to him about a about a, a garage that I'm looking at doing up in up in the mountains, and he, he's also looking at that and think, "Wow, gosh, this is this is pretty cool." Yeah. I've got this house over here, but I can also work with Murray and a few other and a few other t- people in the group and think, "Oh, yeah, I can." Yeah. Look at doing a garage, and how do we do that? And yeah, and Ashley's got some big commercial projects that just she just got, and she's yeah. excited. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great, fun, fun. So Texas, Arkansas. My folks are in Arkansas. Same story. South heavily impacted with the weather this week. Not just us, but I mean, you like call down there. We've got family in Texas, and they're as cold as we are oh, down yeah. there. It's just an indication of you know how are we managing our infrastructure? How are we managing the the people aspect of engineering? Our profession affects pretty much everyone in the population, and are we broadcasting the message to the point where people understand why when things go wrong, maybe okay, I can understand that as opposed to going into panic mode and thinking what in the heck's going on here? It affects humanity what we do and absolutely and. Us as designers, we 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 actually weigh risk and percentages and data of it could be a flood, you know what's the what's the likelihood or what's the risk of this event happening in a in a certain lifetime, and we actually make a lot of decisions about weather, right, mm-hmm. and the environment, and we we. We run numbers saying, well, that's an allowable risk of when this event comes, it's, we're not going to design for that event. No. And I'm not sure society knows that we're doing that. No, because the first, the first when that event it, comes, like a cold spell or something, and there's death and failure, and they can't tolerate this event, mm-hmm. but they also can't tolerate the expense of designing for that event, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. All of all of our um, infrastructure, all of our way of life, is 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 around you know the risk and the expense of, of as you said designing for it. And Texas, in particular, is a well. That's, it's got a, also a, a more independent and separate utility and electric and gas grid system than than most other states. Um. And that goes back to what we were talking about before, is, is is politics getting in the way of good engineering judgment, good science, good scientific judgment as to how we yeah. how we support our our communities. 
I'm big on this. Yep. And that's that's what we're going to be talking about a lot in this podcast is is the is the population and the the politics and power and capitalism versus um, basic services. You know, it, there's a lot going on, and you're right. The public utilities are often private organizations, and I'm big on capitalism. Don't get me wrong, but that is a private venture to make money, build build power plants and grid systems, and sell it to make money. Those are utilities, and they're governed by things like public utilities commissions, and and they're regulated because mm-hmm. they provide public a public need. But sometimes they're more loosely regulated, and sometimes they're influenced by state governments like Texas. They're not connected to the main grid, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they don't. They weren't able to to buy power from the other u- other utility sources. We're out of state power, this type of thing. Because they're acting independent. Mm-hmm. And those decisions were made probably a long time ago, and the public wasn't really in tune with those decisions and the possible ramifications for an event like this, and now they're, and now they're suffering through this event, and they're wondering how they got here. Well, they, how they got here was a decision made probably long ago by politicians, power, and capitalists making money. And here they are. Yeah. Here you, they are. You, don't want, you can't discriminate against others in, in your wish to, to do exactly that, is to provide a service and, and, and make money on it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. However, don't do it at, at the expense of others. Let's be human here. How do you do that in our system in, in the U.S. when well, you, have, you, have you have politicians – which get elected on the basis of reducing taxes or not pushing new taxes. That whole system of, of influence we have lobbyists and it's a complex. It's a complex. It's very complex, making. and you get away from well, you get away from fact. So when you're from from a political standpoint, if you're you're wanting to maintain your position politically, I think individuals and groups get away from the fact that. You're providing a service, say, in, whether it be a utility or some type of a infrastructure element. I like that word. We're getting away from fact, yeah. And which is the science, the engineering. We're we're, yeah. we're not being heard again. Well, you, in, in fact, and it's truth. Are you, are you telling a lie to get to get somewhere, or are you going to be truthful about it? And and then when when people understand the truth, then they can they can also support your own decision in deciding not to design for this aspect of a natural disaster yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then people can accept that and they understand it. Yeah. If you lie to them and something like hap- that's happened in Texas and all of a sudden people are dying and they, don't, they can't stay warm, they don't get food. They Huge they, economic impacts. To, yeah. How, to how do you explain people. that? Well, they're going to try. They're going to try to they're, they're going to point their finger at somebody. Yeah. But the utility companies will likely point back and go, well, we, we can do all these things, but your rates are going to go up significantly to well, do it. So, And I don't truly understand about Texas. However, from, from, from reading I was doing, it appears that the Texas Utility Commission was somewhat, you know, kept it very independent from other states and that and wanted to go ahead and essentially provide – be totally independent and not have either certainly federal government involvement regulating them yeah. regulations yeah. and i mean that sort of decision has to be vetted very carefully too is it is it good Go- for the people of texas in government this case? and the government's role over 
over a profit-making entity, super complex. This is we're going to talk about this a lot, but the, I think you landed on it. We need to listen to the facts, mm-hmm. folks. We listen to your engineering community, your design community. Listen, listen to these things. If they say they got to raise their rates to keep you safe, maybe consider it. Yeah, maybe consider it. Yeah, we're so, going to talk about this a lot. Yeah, in, any type of expense associated with a service. You know, if it's reasonable and people understand, it, I think that is accepting. However, just don't blindly come in and raise it for for self gain or whatever, yeah. or, or yeah. entity gain, where it might be utility well, company profit making. Yeah, profit that, making. That, that, that's right. what the public's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we're concerned. We don't like taxes and we don't like government mainly. <laughs> but, but, but it gets back to our, our standard of living and the way of life and the, how fortunate we are to live, and certainly in the United States and all the wonderful things we have. Well, you have to pay for them. Yeah. You have to pay for them. We're going to get back to our agenda. We're going to always probably talk current. I, I'd yeah. always like to talk current. Yeah, current events and current what's going events. on yeah, that, a little bit that week we... or the two weeks that we don't. Yeah. We're not here talking, doing our podcast. So we're going to, we're in the 1500s. Yes. We're, we're talking about how we got where we got with our infrastructure and we're starting with the early times and we're in the 1500s right now we we are and doing some research and <laughs> looking at uh, we're, we're we're not anthropologists by the way we're oh, oh gosh no we're, we're, we're not we're, we're certainly not historians we're historians really, we're, and so we're going to be off here and there yeah we're, we're, we're engineers that have a have a deeply founded interest in providing information to tra- to, to, to all of our and, and try to describe how we got here. Just, just you know. So, you know, I don't want to hear from the anthropologist. But that's not where the chicken came from, really. Yeah, but you know, our, our passion is, is engineering and, and, and public service in yeah. terms of of uh, and and an opportunity for for those independent engineers that want to do things a little differently. And but history is important. And it is important. Our talks about infrastructure are important. And I'm going to go through a little history here of. Yeah, eight, eight, so we're in the 50, early 1500s, and Columbus yeah. hit, hit the dirt over here, you know, and yeah, we came up to to a point, and, and eight years ago he hit the dirt here, and so now we're in 15 year 1500s. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, just just to give you a sense of, of of the timeline, prior to the Europeans, Columbus beginning it in, in, in 1492, coming to and colonizing the the Americas. The indigenous peoples in the Americas, North and South America, Central America, had a population of approximately 60 million people. It's a huge population which was dispersed about all the way from the, the, from Chile all the way up into Canada. And at the time... That 60 million people. 60 million people. And, and I think a lot of us don't know that. No, no, we don't. And, and that population was approximately 10% of the world's population yeah. at that time. Right. And so you're looking at basically half a billion to, and, and nowadays the population is closer to I think seven billion thereabouts. Somewhere, so, yeah. so it's gone. Something. It's a fourteen fold increase since those times. And then in the 1500s, late 1400s, 1500s, the European settlers or these- colonists came to the, the Americas, and initially that was just through you know ex- exploration. And as a result of that. There was a huge impact on the population over the next hundred years, between fifteen hundred and sixteen hundred, and this is a very the it's year. a very it's a it's a horrible thing in many respects, but ninety percent of the indigenous people in the Americas were lost through European it, disease through European disease, yeah, uh, smallpox, measles, influenza, and through violence. 
that's 55 million people were lost. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's astronomical. It's like worse think. than World War II. Oh, yeah. World War II is, it was... It was like 50 million, I think. No, no. No? It was, it was quite a bit less than that. But but the fact of the matter is, is there was a basically a 10% reduction in the world's population at that time. Unbelievable. And and the interesting thing about it, and this, I'm going to do this as an aside quite quickly, is there was a study done actually in England about the effect of that population reduction. Yeah. And this actually relates back to, I mentioned this now, relates back to our sustainability models and our and the impact that man has on this on this planet. As a result of losing 55 million people in the Americas, all that land that was associated with their with their infrastructure, and I'll get to that aspect in a little bit too, is um, that was all lost back to natural revegetation of trees and flora. And over this period of time... So the, 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 the 60 million indigenous people had some kind of agriculture and they had... Well, they had they, had, they did. They had infrastructure in that. And just to give you an idea of... Fields, what, they, were, they were... They were cultivating and they had... Okay. They had in, in some ways, they had urbanization. There, there was a, that's, what I was, that's what I was curious. Where are these 60 million residing? Are well, they're they, residing. The sixty million were residing throughout the, the Americas, the North and South America. But were they in the communities? Absolutely, they, had been in communities. They, they were in communities. Okay. And the fact there's a known community that was in the Illinois area uh-huh. back prior to fifteen hundred, and um, that population was approximately twenty thousand people, and, there, and 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 they were a portion of the eighteen million people that were north of Mexico at that time prior to the European colonization of the Americas. And these are in Illinois. And so the 18 million people were in, in the United States, Canada, and That's a lot of people, and up into Alaska, a lot of people, yeah. 18 million, yeah, and and 90 percent of that population was lost also as a result of 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 the uh, so of 15, European fifteen thousand years ago, the there's Asian origination getting to the Americas fifteen thousand years ago, and by the time pre pre-European, there's 60 million in that almost 15,000-year period becomes a large population in the Americas in communities. Mm -hmm. And they have to be functioning with some kind of water systems, infrastructure. Transportation. Getting around goods, whether they're trading, actively trading. Are they on horses? No. They're not on horses. And and the reason they're not on horses is that 8 to 12,000 years ago, horses... Essentially, became they did become become extinct in the Americas, and we always thought, "Oh, horses have always been here." They weren't. Horses were actually introduced back in very early 1500s or 1493. Actually, looking looking at some history, horses were brought over by Columbus. So there, so there was no horses in the Americas. So we all we all think of we all think, Americana Hollywood. Yeah, video of course. The Indian but on they the were reintroduced the as a result after their extinction eight thousand years American ago. Thereabouts. And yeah. and then then they were spread about by the within the Americas, within the United States, into Canada, and that by the Europeans. And then at that point, the indigenous people of, of North America of uh, and of United States discovered that they well, horses are very good to, for them, so they were right, able to right, use right. them. And but prior to that, they didn't have horses. Yeah, we talked about this with Eva. It was so we've got communities likely where these indigenous peoples have networks. 
Well, yes, they do. They have. They looked at the, this one in Illinois was close to the Mississippi, so they have have transportation, water supply. They're in the river systems. In the river systems. And the and and likely they're they're along the coastlines where the river systems touch the ocean. Mm-hmm. Of course, they are. Yep. Down into Florida. Why do you think? Why do you think today we're like? Why is this city here below sea level? Why For, is New York City where it is? Why is you know, New Orleans, where it is. Well, you think of the European influence. You got the, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, the English, and and uh, and Scandinavian countries that all come in, and they'd gravitate towards those areas that they were, you know, say, climate or whatever they're used to being in. They're, and it happened. To the the French, of course, New Orleans was a big trading a trading port for the. I think we talked about the fur trade and and other. It's close to the river. So close to the river. And so the fact could, that it happened to be below sea level wasn't, wasn't yeah, no, an issue. The canoe, the canoe hit the beach where it hit the beach. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. And so that's where the city started. And the city started with the indigenous peoples, likely. And I want to mention this about, about the indigenous people in the Americas that established an infrastructure for their communities, yeah. whether whether it was rural or more more urban, as you want to call it in today's language, more more closely knit uh, homes and way of life. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, you bring in people from Europe who ha- haven't has an established infrastructure system there. Yeah. They come to the United States and or to 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 the Americas, North America and uh-huh. Central America, because there's a there's an opportunity. It's an excitement. There's those that want to be greedy and take land and all that sort of thing. And there's power. a clash. Yes. Power and there's a clash between the indigenous people who lived. With the land, mm-hmm. with the land, not mm-hmm. not for the sake of their own greed against the land. Mm-hmm. And the one sad thing about it is that infrastructure and that knowledge that was established by the indigenous people was lost when the population lost. Yeah. It was decimated. And so, so you bring in an attitude and a way of developing communities and infrastructure from Old Europe, if you want to call it that, right into the Americas, right, and suddenly you've lost all of the the knowledge and that that was was established prior to the, that. the old Europe wasn't really working well. There was a lot of sanitation and disease mm-hmm. in those in those times. Problems with humanity and their approach to it. So they wanted to lead and find a place that was new and undisturbed and less polluted. And they brought that same damn idea over mm-hmm. here to the Americas, right? And did it again. Because if you think about, you said, Scott, less polluted, the, the sustainability of life for the indigenous people in the Americas was important. Mm-hmm. It was. I, I don't think it was that important for some of the early colonists and that that came in here and were violent and brought disease. Yeah. And it was that loss of that knowledge and that the ability to, to, to maintain your lifestyle with your environment mm-hmm. that was lost. And then so there's, there's been a clash ever since. There's been a clash and there was a discovery, wasn't there, in the 1500s about gold and resources here in the Americas. Oh, yeah. There was a beginning of greed happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, early 1500s. I wanted to touch briefly on, I was talking before about the loss of the population and the reforestation of all those agricultural areas and that. And the study in England looked at that, and because the forest came back, there was a, there was a, there was a better uptake through photosynthesis of greenhouse gases. So this is the See, indigenous 60 million agriculture. 
Yes. Then they then they perish under disease in early 1500s, and then nature nature took over and retained that CO2 in the in the plants and in the soils. You mean the forest came back and the those, forest and came those back agricultural indigenous agricultural areas. Okay. Yeah, the forest came back. All right. And the study in England and there's been some refu- refuting to this too. However, the study in England said because of that ability to reduce your greenhouse gases over that next 100 or so years or 100 150 years there was a slight decrease in the earth's uh, earth's temperature they they calculated it to be 0.15 degrees celsius and i thought at first well this isn't that linear however that's for a population of about half a billion we have 7 billion now so 0.15 times 14 is around 2 degrees or 2.5 degrees, which I think, I believe, is about the temperature that, they, that, that the Earth's temperature has, on average, has risen over the last… Industrial age. Yeah, yeah. industrial age. Yeah, yeah. And I think you'd mentioned, Scott, it, it was relatively flat for a period of time, and then the Industrial Revolution starting around 1850, then it, it spiked, Spiking, of course, yeah. because of our, our, our way of life. Fossil and way fuel. Of, yeah. Fossil fuels, et cetera. So, so that's, that's an interesting study. And what's, what, what's interesting about it? So, the, so you, what, you, what you're alluding to is, is what, what you're saying, oh, this is actually the loss of 50 million humans and nature rebounding Although there is horrific loss of indigenous peoples, it's a horrific, terrible thing that happened in that in this 1500 time period. But nature actually rebounded from the loss of 50 million people, is what you're saying. They did, because there was no other, because the European influence at the time, or the, the colonist in, uh, uh, um, yeah. influence was, was minimal in terms of... Hadn't, hadn't hadn't impacted the new, the new area other than it killed fifty million people. Oh, yeah, and suddenly nature, you've got a loss of a loss of use of that that land. Sure, interesting. I have to say this again. It's it's sad that you lose that knowledge and that capability of people to develop an infrastructure that works, and suddenly it's gone. The philosophical human way of being connected to nature that the indigenous peoples had and still have. Right with like Eva's group, and are trying to be very loud about it mm-hmm. to the rest of us, whether we're listening or not. It's another another topic, but even even the indigenous in the Amazon, same thing, the Pachamama group, and that same same message from the indigenous people. But the indigenous peoples throughout the world that still remain, which are very small, are saying, "Hey, this new way of." of being is going to destroy all of us. That's what's happening today. Yeah. And is that clash between the the political yeah. side, the greed side, and what we really need to do, whether that's through science engineering or some other element of where, right. where people care. They right. care about our environment and care what we right. don't need a lot of certain things. There's certain things we have to do to maintain our, our lifestyle that we've established now, but we can be cognizant and one thing is, we just want people to be conscious of this whole issue. And if you're conscious of it, then you can give it some time and some thought as to how we all individually do you, I, live I our lives. Yeah, I think there's a big argument about we, do we have time right now. But the conscious thing is first. I agree oh, with you. Yeah, you've got to realize it's, it's, it's real. Gonna, it's real. I think we had a, our last president, whatever drives that is is kind of the last kicking and screaming about you know, science 
don't listen to science we got we actually got to keep going with our human convenience so yeah. you know but yeah it, it uh, well no it's right and, and and human convenience is very nice and everything however you do you have to also look at the consequences of that we have to start being conscious for the old what you said the conscious of it yeah yeah all right, so 1500s, we got these sail ships, different kind of transportation coming ocean mm-hmm. over the ocean. We get a horseback. We get a horse introduced. Yes. We get our horseback. Mm-hmm. We also get silly things like domesticated animals, mm-hmm. pigs and chickens. They weren't here. No. Pigs and chickens were not here. We would think, uh, I always thought the wild boar was a wild native thing here. It wasn't. It was actually the Spanish boar that came over. It was brought in. Yeah, it was brought in. So that's just like New Zealand. New it, Zealand had flightless birds, and that's all they had. And no people until about 1100 AD. Wait a minute. New Zealand what? Didn't have – well, it doesn't have natural predators today, but had not, didn't have people until 1100, 1200 AD. Okay. And then, okay. And the, on, the only animals that were, 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 were primarily birds. There was very few, if any, mammals on the on the country, until um, till Cook came in in 1760 and they started bringing in. That's fast. They brought in all these animals that just, we've been continually trying to get rid of ever since. That's fascinating. All right, so we have these communities. Mm-hmm. We got humanity mixing it up. Yeah. Infrastructure. There is some studies saying the indigenous people were in decline before the European disease. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, their own diseases. That's around what? What's causing that disease 2,000 years ago? The loss of the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Incas. What's going on? Yeah, you know, if you if you overpopulate an area and don't take care of sanitation, you will get a you, you have a you have a problem. You have a problem. Yeah. And they had a problem. Yeah, they got they made themselves sick with polluting their own their own yes. water supply. Yeah. And and then they eventually also ran out of resources, food. So DNA says they weren't doing well mm-hmm. as far as eating. Yeah, they were starting to use up their resources. So repeat. We keep repeating this. Yes. We do. Yeah. Whether that's from, as you said, from a, a, a community or indigenous people two thousand years ago, or right up to today. Right up to today. Yep. Keep, we keep kind of contradicting ourselves. We keep really, I mean, we, we've got this finite earth, has a certain capacity. It can only provide so much. Yep. And we need to realize that. I think the message for me, I think the message for me might be, when are we going to listen to our technical community instead of what the power or the greed or the political systems, when is knowledge and science and engineering going to actually be listened to instead of power or instead of politics? We keep killing ourselves over we this, do. not listening to the people in the know. Well, and, yeah, we, we, we don't need any awards or rewards for people listening to us. All we'd just like to do is to people to understand what really is going on from a factual standpoint, from a scientific standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is do we work, do we work hard as engineers to try to inform the public about what's coming and the predictions of floods, the predictions of weather, the 
the predictions of resources, the prediction of, okay, you need to look forward and plan your transportation, your water systems for this population growth. And then, and then I know you hear it. I've heard it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I believe in your numbers. So let's, mm-hmm. let's, we're not going to listen to you not for another 10 years. And then the next 10 years you, you bring it up again and they go, oh, yeah, I, I get it. You know, you, you keep, you keep doing this. And then the, 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 the time comes where your infrastructure and your water systems can't serve or like texas Mm -hmm. it's a failure Mm -hmm. exactly and and no we don't we don't do a good job in terms of we we keep repeating the same mistake and like i said it's got three strikes you're out unfortunately we've had about four thousand strikes Uh we should be really out right but we're not we're still here right right and and sometimes some of the stuff we do isn't too sexy it doesn't have a real as engineers, and yeah, are, it's not sexy. And, and people don't see it as thinking, <laughs> how important is it? It's no, pretty I, sexy in Texas right now. Well, <laughs> oh, the opposite to that, yeah, you know, right. Um, and this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing our podcast about infrastructure, and that is to give yeah. people some knowledge or understanding of how we think as, as engineers, whether as planners, as you know, our, our local government. Especially our local government is full of people that have this knowledge and ability to go ahead and plan and plan things for our population, our communities. Yeah, and our communities just sort of expect that to happen. Well, it's entitled. Yeah, it, there is this element of entitlement. Entitlement. Well, guess what? Guess no, it doesn't. You have to. You, you have to pay for it. There's consequences <laughs> of doing things wrong. There's consequences yeah. of messing with our planet. Here's my offer: is me and you, or any individual in this country. The biggest ownership that you have is not your home; it's the infrastructure around you. Yes, you own. That's bigger ownership for every citizen in this country than their own home. Yeah, that's. We don't think that way. No, yeah. yeah. we, we, we're short-sighted. How we're we short-sighted. On this. We don't think down the road. What are the consequences <laughs> of doing these things? And the other thing is, do we really need it? And this is many more topics in the podcast. Do we really need it? And if we have something. How do we renovate it? How do we maintain it? How do we turn it into something that's going to serve us moving forward as opposed to ripping it down and rebuilding it and wasting the our resources? The world changes, doesn't it? There's, there's, there's 60 million indigenous peoples doing just fine. They're, they've got some issues, mm-hmm. right? But they're yeah. doing just fine. Yep. And then the world changed for them, right? Are we designing transportation systems today for something that won't exist in 50 years? Well, almost certainly always be on the ground. I don't see us flying around. However, it's going to be a different means of transportation. Down the road, the the internal combustion engine is going to probably become obsolete. Probably be obsolete. And I I would say mass transit's back and working from home, like level design partners, independently Mm -hmm. working, uh, you know, not always driving to an office and driving home every day, that that's going to be gone. And and we don't need these massive highway systems anymore. They're converted. I mean, the highway system might become something else, some some other form of mass transit. It could. Yeah. And it is, it is working right now to, yeah. you know, non-driver vehicles and all that sort of thing. Shoot, this is going to be a – this is we need our engineers and architects for our future. And it, and it takes time, and it's going to be a gradual turnover of, of how we do things. There's change, yeah. And, okay, so back to 1500s. Yes. 
<laughs> we, 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 we keep we, moving we, forward. We want to dance back and forth. So the indigenous peoples have communities on rivers. A lot of them are on the Atlantic coast. Mm-hmm. And disease kills them. But there's this vacant community and infrastructure and that left behind by the indigenous. Is this where our cities start? Is this where the Spanish and the Portuguese and the English and the French establish their their places to start colonizing the Americas? They basically move into this existing pathways and streetways and infrastructure the indigenous people have now. In, In some cases, maybe, or yes, in other cases, no. Because they, they, the reason that no is because there's probably established communities throughout the the North Americas, but throughout what's known as U.S. and Canada now, because the Europeans that that came in had their idea of this is where I want to put a community for their purpose, Mm -hmm. and did not absorb or look at other communities that were established by the indigenous Americas over eons. Right. They they weren't concerned about that. Well, because it, it was driven with with need and greed and power mm-hmm. and gold and silver, yeah, and resources natural and resources that were available, and the land. ability to just basically, yes. I, I can just go have do whatever I want they, to. Here. They claimed all these giant stretches of, of land as oh, theirs. Yeah. Well, that that in itself was such a huge conflict with the the indigenous peoples because yeah, right. they they saw the earth as something that they were they appreciated being able to be a part of. They were with the earth as opposed to taking it. Yep. If you ever get a chance in the, the Central Americas and the jungles of South America, those nature takes things back very, as you stated, takes nature takes things back very quickly. The jungles it does not take well, long to consume. What to grow? It's yeah. a, unbelievable, actually. And you can go, you can go, you can go visit and see it. It's amazing. Uh, actually, I, I've decided not to buy anything in those territories because it takes a lot of maintenance to mm-hmm. keep a, a property that in the jungles. It's unbelievable. So I, I would say let's do research next time on our next podcast about what indigenous communities actually stuck for the Europeans and where were those? You know, was it at the mouth of the Mississippi? Was it at the mouth of the Amazon? So we'll we'll talk about those areas of our first communities and that what that infrastructure looked like late fifteen hundreds, early sixteen hundreds, and let's talk about that next time. Yes, under uh, really on the backs of major human loss and catastrophe for the indigenous. But let's see where. The Europeans actually decided to start set up, building, set up shop, set up shop. And yeah. did they, did they take in? Did they take in or utilize what was there already, or mm-hmm. did they do their own thing? Or, or did they find a different spot? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the indigenous peoples may or may not have made a decision about where our current cities are and our infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you ignore it, it's kind of like going to the library and. That part of the encyclopedia isn't there anymore. It's gone. Yeah, and that's I. That's what I equate the loss of infrastructure and the loss of knowledge. Right. When you essentially wipe out a population, it's really it's sad. It's it, it's extremely sad. All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. This is fun. All right. Enjoy it. <laughs>
This podcast is a part of a foundation for open conversation regarding the A&E industry. In future episodes, we'll discuss the realities of the industry today and what the future may look like. It is our belief that positive changes for architects and engineers is not the obligation of the industry, but rather your choice to reimagine how we work together. We invite you to join us in creating a world in which design professionals thrive. Get involved by joining our email newsletter where you'll get information not found anywhere else. Go to leveldesignpartners.com to sign up. If you found value in this episode, support us by sharing it with someone or leaving a review. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll talk to you next time.